citizens of the verse. Today is July 13th, 2952, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We are a weekly Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game as well as its development. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and with me tonight is my co-host, Mr. Dependable and most likely most flexible schedule, Seagard Olson. Welcome, Seagard. It's great to be back. I feel like the depends. <laughs> um, sorry, everybody, uh, for the two-week hiatus or two-episode hiatus. Um, it was a hiatus. That was good. Yeah, it was a little bit of a hiatus. I uh, I had a, a thing to do one one Tuesday, and it seemed like my week wasn't panning out to try and reschedule. And then. Um, Last week, I was away in Delaware for vacation. So I'm back now uh, and unfortunately was super late getting home last night. So we're recording a day later, which is why Chekhov isn't here. (laughs) Plus, it's the summer, so he's a lot less predictable. Anyhow, (laughs) Um, he might be on a boat for all we know. Um, But yeah, uh, Seagard, it's been a couple weeks. What's... uh, What's been going on in your your little neck of the woods? Anything uh, to report on stuff. in the game? I, you know, I did. I did a lot of stuff in the game. I played a little bit with modules. I kind of looked at, uh, moved around some ships. Kind of, I pretty much kept everything I had, but just there was one or two that, like, I have a duplicate ship, and and I was, you know, missing a. a um, I've fair. I have a few light fighters and i really don't have a medium fighter so i was trying to fill that gap and then i uh, did some playing with the uh inventory with and, and none of this in the ptu this is all pu so in you know the inventory the uh, like the storage lockers you can use to put things in for everybody else to use and mm-hmm. things like that um and then uh, i even uh, played a little bit with uh, music making um, using GarageBand on my iPad. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I actually there's I sent you a song in in the uh, one of the chats. I completely forgot to listen to it because for some reason, despite it being an Apple thing, I uh, can't play it on my iPhone. Oh, okay, yeah, it's it's a real simple thing. It's nothing big, but it was it was kind of fun to play, and you know you can. Uh, it it was pretty cool what you could do. Uh, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it would sound good coming through my microphone into this thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll upload it for next week and we can yeah. play it. Yeah. Um, but it's just something you can do pretty easily. I was kind of surprised with that. Um, did some um, did a little bit of bounties. Did a little bit of the. Um, you know, the mission sets they had out there. We did a little bit of the uh, stash house. You know, you go in there and what do you call it? Um, jump Town 2.0? Jump Town. We did a little bit of Jump Town. Um, and then we did a little bit of the trying to support the pi, uh, the nine. The nine Tails Lockdown? Nine Tails Lockdown. Man, I cannot think today. That's um, okay. Nine Tails Lockdown did a little bit of that. We were trying to 
maximize uh, the use of, um, uh, of, you know, the funds we had. So Flavius donated 20 million to the cause and we literally couldn't give it away for people to run medical supplies. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was marginally successful. Uh, but yeah, I ended up giving him back six to 17,000 or 18,000, 18 million of it. (laughs) So yeah, all those little things. Um, yeah, it was good. It's been pretty good Been pretty good. Awesome. Um, I having been away and all that fun stuff, didn't really get to play the game that much. I played, I would say a tiny bit. Um, right. Most of it was sort of sightseeing and stuff because I kind of am waiting for the next patch before I start doing any missions or anything like that, just because I don't want to waste uh, right. time. Um, excellent. So since it's been a couple weeks, we've got a few things we haven't covered. Um, two episodes of ISC so far. They were a little bit shorter, or at least easier to talk through uh, on the end of June, they, we had an ISC about the new planetary nav mesh, which allows our ground-based missions to have more life and more AI behavior, as well as the new derelicts coming in uh, to three seventeen two, uh, which did and it did show us a little bit of a look inside the reclaimer mission. They also talked about siege of Orison and how. It's quite a bit different from other dynamic events that we've had in the sense that there's not really any mission markers. It's not ship-based. It's designed to be a PvE mission, although it's not necessarily, you know, you could engage in PvP, although they're trying to put in ways to, you know, limit that. Um, and it's a very big, I mean, we, we've probably all seen enough at this point to know that it's a very big um, area of gameplay. Um, and then the following week was the 3.17.2 patch watch. So they talked about uh, the few things that we didn't already know is some variants of some of the heavy armors that we already have. They showed off the salvage backpack, which while it won't have the salvage gameplay will be in the game, at least, uh, for that patch. We got to see, um, a, a, an old sort of spacesuit to commemorate RSI's first launch into space. And that's something that we will see in game at some point for, I think it's going to be a subscriber flare, but who knows they'll probably have it in other ways too. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that one. Yeah. It looks really cool. It looks more like our sort of traditional space suit, but yeah. a little bit more advanced. You can see the evolution of how the space suits we space suits we have today right. could have evolved into that before evolving into what they are in game. And then uh, some of the stuff that we already did know, space stations having more hangars for smaller ships, um, Grimhex having more uh, hospital beds, the crash derelict missions, as well as the space-based derelict missions, including one that seems closer to the 890 jump than anything else. Um, Then we have uh, the second part of that episode. The team talked about some tips for the Siege of Orison, one big one being bring plenty of weapons, armor, medipens, it's food, etc. because it's a long mission. Um, ships won't be allowed to fly nearby, so don't try it cuz you will, you know, explode. Yeah. Uh, 
there will be shuttles and buggies along the way to help you traverse faster. Uh, they said take advantage of loot crates and looting enemies, particularly for food and ammo. Um, and yeah, the map is really built like a maze to have a lot of different things to discover. Keep it fun. Keep it replayable. Um, looks super exciting. What are your thoughts on those episodes of ISC, Seagard? Did, uh, did you catch uh, them both? Anything excites you? Yeah, I mean, they, I thought they were all all pretty good. Um, you know, they both, I liked them both. And there, and there is a lot of cool stuff coming. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'm pretty pumped about a lot of it. Um, I think, I think this is, you know, the, just the pure number of, uh, new space stations and Lagrange points was really, yeah. I mean, they have, what is it? The one it's on, um, uh, Mikkel three. I mean, it's like 64 million miles. It's huge. It's so far away. Yeah. Uh, it's like the longest jump you can make. Um, and it, you know, there's just, it really kind of made the more of the of the solar system for me i think that was great i definitely like the the wrecks and um i'm i'm really interested in seeing even if we didn't see hostile ai and um, pcs walking around on the ground i'd just be cool to see someone walking around the landing pad area and <laughs> you know and yeah. see a few stuff on you know moving stuff around i mean breathe a little life into life into those things yeah, um, uh, yeah, and I and I, I think um, I'm interested to see how many ships you know because no one really checks these things, you know how many of the ships have been improved in their quality of uh, you know player interaction, you know like the you know the Cutlass Black now has in the current version has you know the the shareable storage on board you can open up a locker put stuff in it someone else can grab it out. So can the raft, mm -hmm. right? but you know how many other ships are going to get that in this in this next round in seventeen point two? Um, yeah, certainly. You know, I'm thinking uh, even the the C two has that. Um, yeah, already. So I think it was the first one it. to have it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, really cool, and it's it's fun to use. The I'm really interested to see how it goes with um, you know because they were showing this you know, how this is going to happen with these, these other ships. And they modified the uh, Mustang. So it has a, a, you know, openable cargo pod on the bottom mm -hmm. of it, um, which is, it addresses, it addresses a problem um, that really limits some of the single seat fighters. They don't have inventory. Right. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how many other ships have, you know, similar things, you know, brought in and done that way. Yeah. Well, and especially with the Mustang, you know, the Mustang is one of the few, you know, game package ships that you can get without spending extra money. <clears throat> and unlike the Aurora, until they finally fix this, this um, issue with the, the cargo pod, you know, if you bought that ship by mistake, you couldn't do one of the entry level missions that people tend to play in order to make money, which is the, the box delivery missions. Right. Right. So, you know, it's, I, uh, you know, I think that stuff's cool. I mean, the fact that they work on some of those ships and I like that. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, all discussed in these two shows. Um, yeah. pretty good. 
I thought it were both pretty good. I'm pretty and kind of building up the excitement also of 17.2. Yeah. I have been avoiding the PTU because I just, I want to play the new derelicts and especially the siege of Orison with everybody. Um, I don't think any of us are in the PTU right now. Then not many, at least I haven't seen many photos or, and it's still wave one right now, isn't it? Still wave one. I mean, they are taking a while. Uh, thought process is, I'm getting ahead of myself in the, the show notes, but there's not much to talk about with it anyway. Um, I think people think this week for open PTU, but we'll see. Gotcha. Hopefully. They That'd said nice. mid-month is their target for the live, so I would imagine this week for open, you know, this weekend, <clears throat> and then maybe next weekend or the weekend after for live. Yeah. What I'm really excited for is when that's done, they move 318 into Evo and we start getting some of the juicy tidbits about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, that is true. But yeah, I'm super excited for the Siege of Horus and um, I'm, I'm excited for the other missions. It just looks like it. And it sounds like it's a pretty stable PTU from what I've heard. So that's exciting. I really feel like... It's a little bit of a content dump, but at the same time, you look, you know, you talked about the new space stations. I I looked at them again in the episode and the new space stations, some of them, they have a different style than any of the other ones that are here. It fits in the same family. Right. They have some different um, elements, accents and sort of like, I don't want to say greebles. That's not, not the right term, but yeah, different elements, accents to make it. To, it's, it looks like the building set is even more has more variety essentially right um which which excites me because it sits you know i sit there and i go okay yes these stations it's just like going to a rest stop on the highway you know you're going up by 95 and you stop anywhere in connecticut most likely you're going to get a very similar layout um with some minor variations depending on what town it's in and you know one might have a mcdonald's and one might have a burger king um and so like that's what these essentially are just in space and at the same time they still have their own attention to detail they feel like their own unique place and i'm pretty sure that's a mantra i don't know if it's a montreal team but it seems it seems like anything that that's done that sort of like gets all of us super excited these days where it's like building out the Stanton system even more seems yeah. to be the Montreal team. So I don't know. Cause they did the office interiors for the dynamic event too. Didn't they? I think they did. I think they did. So you're, you're, you're talking the game in office or like in the, um, inside the buildings. Mm-hmm. I for think- the siege of Orison. Yeah, I, think I thought they, they were doing that. So yeah, you know, because I remember when they were like, "Hush, hush! This is we, we're not going to tell you what this is for yet." One of the one of the things I did hear it was on um, Grumpy Eye, I think is the uh, uh-huh. podcaster, and he was talking about how um, not Battlefield, um, you know, they were going to do the test battle zones and with you know. Oh, theaters yeah. of war, 
theaters of war. And it, it turns out he was, you know, that's been a little bit of a scandal lately. Not, not that I'd rather heard, heard anywhere else, but uh, evidently the company that was doing that um, actually was bought out by Sony. Oh, uh, that, that explains got, it. Yeah. That got pulled into CIG's, uh, you know, arena again and got assigned to a group, uh, a team within there. Now that was about a year ago though. Right. So um, basically it hasn't been the, nothing's significant. I think has happened since then. I don't even know that it's on the, on the chart now for progress tracking. Um, so, you know, my thought was, is that the siege of Orison is kind of a way to do this. Yeah. So I, you know, at they, least in they some haven't ways. said that theater wars is going away yet. Officially, that was part of the you know the grumbling. Also, um, you know, and not that he was grumbling; he was explaining it very well. I thought, um, but you know, I I think that Siege of Orison may be that testing ground that they're looking for, and I think we may see it more often. Perhaps, I guess we'll see. I mean, I think they'll still do theaters of war. I just think it's not a priority. Yep. Right now, because uh, I don't know, because theaters of war is PvP only, so that's for the PU weapon balance. Whereas, like in in Squadron, is PVE, huh? Yeah, Siege Siege of Orson is PVE versus theaters of war, which is PvP. Yeah, and so like, and it's mixed. You know, versus where this is mostly ground based, but I, I feel like because theaters of war is supposed to be the test bed for, you know, balance within weapons and vehicles and the sort of combined forces, I feel like they don't need that quite yet. Um, and maybe they're waiting for server meshing anyway. My understanding is it was pretty far along anyhow. Yeah, they they had a whole level built out. So I, I think they might be waiting for better performance anyhow. That could be. That could be. But yeah, Fire Sprite, I think that's the team that was bought by Sony, uh, if that's what you're saying. They, I, I, I thought they were bought, yeah, maybe not a maybe it was a year ago now. It's been a while. It's been a long time, though. Yeah. Um, so then we had a couple Star Citizen Lives. Uh, the first one was an audio team Q&A, and I'm just going to go over a few of this, the sort of <laughs> points there. Um, they talked about how they're using this new tool that they demoed at CitizenCon to streamline in-game audio creation, but it's not integrated in the game yet. They talked about Sonic Boom uh, and how right now it's not being worked on, but when they do work on it, they'll want it to be simulated based on a bunch of different factors. Uh, sound propagation is still evolving within the game. Um, so, you know, all noises will eventually depend on pressure, vacuum, whether it's internal or external to a location, um, to the ship, whatever the case may be. Uh, supposedly, they already support surround sound, even though some folks are saying that that's not working. They did say that surround sound is dependent on the size of the area that you're in because a smaller space won't actually have sound dissipate differently in different angles. Um, they talked about how in-game music, um, if you're you know trying to quote-unquote, I guess not 
like DJ for your ship or whatever, you know, using your own music might, uh, could, would be a huge issue related to copyright. Um, right. But that they are working very hard on in lore songs and bands and singers and whatever the case may be. Uh, eventually they'll be working on a ship based PA system to make announcements across the ship. Face coverings will modify sound. Um, both for players and NPCs. Uh, they said, oh, the fact that they continue to add missions and, and such means that the, they also continually need to script and record more lines and that to help with that, they are exploring text-to-speech tools to reduce how many sounds they have to record in a bespoke fashion. Um, they want broken components to make different sounds depending on what state they're in, which will help you potentially identify a problem early on. And they talked about how ship voice sounds are legacy uh, and that even if they do move to um, text-to-speech for those, they'll try to um, maintain some of that legacy one way or another. So that was the audio team Q&A. What would you think of the episode if you saw it, Seagar? You know, I, I like the audio stuff. This one, I didn't I didn't grab me too, too much. Um, mm-hmm. I typically like the ones when they're showing more of how they position the speakers and get the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I know they do 5. Um, 5.1 because I use it all the time. And, and uh, you know, especially with my headsets, it's, a you know, I have Dolby and a couple others. But, you know, the, I think the sounds, they are a big deal to me. I yeah. I, you know, I'm now, as much as I love the sounds on the inside of the ships while they're in space, um, the newer ships definitely sound better than the older ships. They just, the raft is a really good one. Um, you know, some of the, now with the exception to the older ones might be some of the, uh, like the, um, alien ships, you know, the engines have that growl to them and that little clicking noise. Um, I love that stuff. Um. Uh, and I and I'm interested. To, I, I I am a little interested in that text to speech because a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, two years ago maybe, I uh, mm-hmm. actually bought a third party um, voice. You know, and you, it would use text to speech to provide you, you know, auto, auto, audio. So I was trying to do basically a a pirate you know, giving a tour, a com- a comedic tour of Grim Hex. Um, so I was trying different voices. And then the one I, I bought to use um, was actually a, a, a woman from Wales, or she was Welsh. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it, it really was interesting how much superior at, at re- speaking the text back than than the ones in Windows were. I mean, just so much more fluid. There was, you know, accentuations at the end of questions. There, you know, their voice rise would rise up. Um, it really was very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I like that type of stuff. I think that's really cool. Um, so I'd, I'd say those were both decent, decent shows. Um, or it was a decent show, but mm-hmm. I really watched probably fifty percent of it. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. It it was surprisingly more um, in depth than I expected. 
Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, cause a lot of, see, it's funny. I don't really love the ones where it's like they position the audio and all that stuff. Oh, you don't like but, those. I do. Yeah. Cause yeah. it doesn't, I'm sort of like, okay, well, I know that you're essentially putting a speaker in a location on the game. Right. Um, I care more about sort of like, you know, how are they going to use audio to create a better experience? Right. Which some of the stuff they talked about in this one. Well, what anyway, did, interesting. Thing. What did you think of the uh, discussion around having an intercom in your in your ship? I think that's a, a great idea. Yeah, I do too. Um, because it, it helps sort of have in. Uh, I feel like. I feel like it's going to help improve some of the stuff where, like you're going to want to have for bigger ships. You're not going to want to have everyone on the same comms channel, right? You might want to have a fire team with someone who's calling out targets. You might want to have, you know, obviously everyone on the bridge is going to be able to hear each other. Maybe even without, they might not be wearing their helmets and they might hear each other just speaking over VoIP. Um, And so, you know, you're going to need something like that for larger ships even I would, I would even imagine with like a Carrick, um, since not everyone's always going to have their helmet on, if everyone's in the, um, you know, game room or, you know, the pool playing pool or eating and there's a pilot flying and there's a state of emergency, they can set off the PA to say, you know, potential boarding coming, whatever the case may be, battle stations. Right. And people can run and do what they need to. And I think it'll just be more immersive. Yeah, I've I've always done the uh I've got a bunch of the AC uh HCS packs. Uh they work with, you know, voice voice attack. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, if anyone out there knows how to make those responses come back through the uh through the game versus coming through my own headset and nothing else, that would be fantastic cuz uh if you haven't gone out there and looked at them, there's just two simple ones that work fantastic are the ship's cat and the ship's mm-hmm. parrot. They, mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything, but you can ask them and you can have, you know, you could say like somebody beat the parrot and then you'll hear the, you know, parrot yelling at you, swearing at you. <laughs> so, or feed the cat and then the cat will be purring, but there's all this little activity that's in the back of your, in the back of your headphones and it does yeah. give it more of an immersion. So, I'm definitely yeah. into the voices. Um, but I can't figure out how to get those voice packs to play back into the game for others to hear. Um, in fact, on on that topic, you can actually assign an entire bridge crew um, to your ship. So you could have a science officer, you know, and have it James T. Kirk or, or William Shatner playing that role or Worf and, you know, all those other guys mm-hmm. doing it. So it's pretty funny. That's great. I am. I can't wait for it. Like I'm one of those people. I don't. I like Discord. It's very useful. But when it comes to cooperative play, it is not the answer. Yeah. Um. You know, long term, even ship communications is very good. Yeah, I feel like that will be more appropriate, and like. Because also the in-game PA system, my understanding would be you could also, instead of just broadcasting across the whole ship, 
go from station to station. So if you need to talk to someone in engineering or, or maybe, you know, from bridge to engineering room or whatever, then you can at least, you know, separate what you need to. And it also gives you a reason to have a comms officer. Right. Because then you're also communicating between ships and all that stuff. You know, it's funny too, because I was watching, I can't, you know, lately I've been watching just older star citizen videos to try Mm -hmm. and like, just brush up on all the things that they're thinking about and doing. And it was around data running. I, it might've been the history of, Oh, it might've even been with, um, galactic historian. I know it's not the, I know that's not his title anymore. Um, but, um, he was talking about crusader, I think. And then he talked about data running and how data running is really supposed to be for, um, because between systems, it's a lot faster to have drones go from one data source on one side of a jump point to another data transmitter or whatever on the other side of a jump point. But if it's something that needs to be encrypted or protected, you don't want to trust it with a, a drone, an automated drone. You And you also don't want to have to wait for whenever the drone gets all of the information that needs to send. So more just-in-time communications and or, you know, highly secret or high clearance communications go through a ship like a Mercury Star Runner. So, you know, if you think about the comm arrays being what, what helps communicate within system, but then between systems be data running, it's almost like the same thing at a more macro level. And I don't know, it's just super geeky, immersive, cool stuff that I'm like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see how this actually plays out in the game. Oh, that's me too. I, I definitely like that stuff. I mean, I, you know, me, you, you and me and, and also, I um, uh, own all. Oh, our, um, yeah, yeah. We all are into the mode of, you know, like walking everywhere instead of running everywhere, and bringing the equipment we need, and taking it off the ship when we're done. And and uh, you know, I'm even crazy enough to actually find my favorite seat on whatever station I'm at and get into my civilian civilian clothes before I get out. Yeah. you're out of the game so uh, realism <laughs> is a big factor and I you know shoot move and communicate right I, I, you know move includes navigate and engineering but uh, communications is big it's a big yeah. big deal immersion um, yeah. factor is going to go through the roof when that happens 100% um, the other star system live last week was actually the interactables team, which is a new team, a fairly new team, uh, not usually separated out. Uh, and what they did was they, it was a game dev episode. They worked on a prop for camping. And what it was, was essentially a chair that is, uh, they took a normal chair and turned it into an interactable um, chair. So it was a camping chair. And essentially what it did is it, it folded up into a tiny, flat surface and then when you interacted with it it extended you know the back lifted up and it became a full-size chair um you know and it had different interactive states and so they demoed that which was kind of cool i didn't watch the whole thing because you know me and those game devs i think i missed that i must have missed that one yeah that was last friday 
Well, I've been looking cool. for a cot That's you can cool. sleep on, right? Log out on a cot. I think that would be really cool. They showed off at the end of the episode a cot. <laughs> they did. Cot. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, cool stuff. Um, you know, if, if that floats your boat, that's one to take a look at. Now, ISC is still on hiatus and I think should be for the next two weeks or maybe even more. No, I think yeah. it's two weeks. I think for the month of July if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, if, if anything, the last week they might come back, but, um, until then we just have some stars to this and lives to look forward to this week. Todd Pappy will be on a uh, star citizen live Friday to answer any questions about three seventeen dot two. Um, so gotcha. submit your questions if you haven't already, um, and vote up the ones that you are most interested in. Yeah. Just, just one question on that one. Um, sure. Not on it, It's really on um, topics for like the subscribers and for the, uh, and some of the shows. I mean, I would love to see some discussions like on, you know, how thrusters are now being balanced in the game and, you know, and, and also like um, flight suits, right? Basically a flight suit does covers the same things. And in each version you have, there's no differentiation. Mm-hmm. Um, in thermal protection, I mean, it's maybe two or three degrees in either direction. I'd like to see how they're progressing on, like, making a difference between the different types. Um, yeah. And then the armor and the helmets, you know, is there going to be a, you know, are they making progress on, on having, you know, a visored view? So if you're in a heavy armor, you're like the uh, Citadel armor, you're, you know, your vision may be pretty constricted, but you're extremely well armored, right? Whereas in a pilot mm. armor, you want, you know, big bull front end so you can see everything. And I would like to see them, you know, kind of bring some of those episodes in of where they are and where they're going. And and even the face tracking, which I did. I did quite a bit of work and got mine working reasonably well. Um, so, you know, I just I don't really know where to look anymore and where to submit these the questions for the subscribers or for any of the TV shows. So Yeah. It'll be interesting. I feel like I feel like lately they've moved way more towards like not showing stuff so far out. You know what? Right. In the earlier days, they showed. Sorry, I heard a weird sound. That was um, my chair. In... Oh no, I, th- I think it was my cat. It was in my room. <laughs> um, in the earlier days, they showed off stuff much further in advance. Um, and then some of it got scrapped or changed or, you know, and I think they're now sticking towards what's in the, you know, next quarter to, um, you know, maybe even the next year, like we've been, we saw a ton of the outpost stuff and now we're seeing the first signs of that with derelict outposts in 317 too. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I feel like like sort of the differences in helmets and all that stuff. I think part of it will come with physicalized damage because, mm-hmm. you know, with physicalized damage, they're turning materials into something that has wear, tear, you know, is impacted by things. But I don't know when, when that'll. Yeah. Come I mean, to fruition. I mean, you know, I just, there's so many ideas that bubble through my head just on, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, we don't have thermal views. We don't have night vision views in our helmets or in the ship for that matter. Yeah. But wouldn't it kind of make, wouldn't it be kind of cool and futuristic to have the Mac flex, you know, 
kind of the workman's, you know, helmet, uh, the whole outfit, like project the mechanical um, key components of the ship on your visor, like yeah. an overlay. <clears throat> Whereas, uh, let's, but you might not have thermals, right? Uh, yeah. A military guy might have thermals, but, you know, they might be limited to, you know, certain brands. Others may have, um, you know, uh, let's say, you know, magnetic boots. Um, maybe they provide more protection in the body armor and you have to wear less panels, right? You, you, know, you just maybe yeah. wear the core chest armor. But all those little things like that, right? There's, I would love yeah. to see some design articles of where they're going even. But, uh, yeah, yeah I digress. So, I mean, I'm I'm the same way. I'm independently or, or in, not independent. I'm constantly. I don't know why I said independently. I'm constantly thinking about like, oh, how, you know, how how's it going to be when they start to actually make scanners be different on ships? You know, like a like a Carrick scanner versus right. something that's just more less speci- specific. Um, so that we differentiate what we can see and what we can interpret. But, you know, I, I guess that'll come with time. I'm excited yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, if I can, if I can get, find out, if I can find out where we're submitting these things now to Jared, I will try to submit something. Uh, if anyone's got any ideas, what they want to hear and knows where I can put it, I'll put it in there for you. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that certainly came out right. (laughs) Came out wrong. (laughs) Depending on what you think. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Um, Last week, we did get a pretty great roadmap roundup um, with a ton of updates to the progress tracker. So with that published, they said, we're adding the majority of downstream team schedules for Q3 2022, with the rest coming in a future publish. The following deliverables have been added to the progress tracker. Now, keep in mind, sometimes they drop these off. So, you know, just because they're added now doesn't mean they can't change. But uh, vehicle tractor beams. Implementing tractor beams attached to ships, either remote-operated or turret-like attachments. This allows players to move and tow bigger objects, including other ships. This deliverable has been added to the EUPU gameplay feature team and weapon content team's schedule. Artificial gravity. Implementing the dedicated functionality for items controlling the gravity per room for ships, outposts, and stations. This also includes player controls as part of engineering gameplay. This deliverable has been added to the EUPU gameplay gameplay feature team schedule. Fire rat armor. Developing multiple armor variants for the Pyro Gang Fire Rats. This deliverable has been added to the uh, Star Citizen Character Art Team schedule. Shopkeeper Outfits. Implementing a new generic shopkeeper uniform for various NPCs in the Persistent Universe. This deliverable has been added to the Character Tech Art Team schedule. Unified Item Ports FPS. Renaming and standardizing character item ports to properly represent their capabilities. This includes expanding their capabilities to allow for more types of equipment to be used on the current item ports. This deliverable has been added to the character tech art team's schedule. Swimming Tier 0. Creating basic functionality for the player to be able to swim across the surface of bodies of water, including related features such as entering, exiting, and drowning. 
includes support for ha hazardous liquids that can damage or kill the player and other characters. This deliverable has been added to the actor feature team schedule. AI utility. Implementing the utility AI behavior, the AI will drive vehicles, pick up, haul, and carry stowables, as well as manage the vehicle's cargo bay and inventory. This deliverable has been added to the AI content team schedule. AI commuter. Implementing the commuter behavior into the AI behavior into the game, the AI will search for means to travel to their destination. While waiting for a vehicle to arrive, the AI will eat, drink, and check slash notice, check notice boards or timetables. Upon the arrival of the transport, the AI will board and embark to their destination. This deliverable has been added to the AI content team schedule. Environmental space missions. Implementation of new missions and scenarios that the player will encounter as they wander around an area of space. The missions will that appear will be based on the probability volumes that the player is currently in. The, this deliverable has been added to the EU Sandbox 1 team schedule. New interdiction scenarios. Adding new variations and difficulty levels of interdiction scenarios that players will come across while quantum traveling. This deliverable has been added to the EU Sandbox 1 team schedule. Physicalized weapon handling introduces the character animations while interacting with and customizing FPS weapons. The aim is to add a tactile look and feel to the weapon handling, supporting the greater or the wider goal of high fidelity character interactions with all relevant objects in game. Previously named Weapon Handling Tier 2 and removed from the progress tracker, this deliverable has been re-added to the Weapon Feature Team schedule. So those are all the additions, some really exciting ones, uh, including some that I thought were a little bit, um, they seem earlier than I expected, particularly artificial gravity as well right. as swimming. Yeah, I was surprised about swimming too. Um that definitely struck me as uh, interesting. I hadn't even thought about it being this early. Yeah, I thought it would be at least another... Well, we don't know when it will come into the game, but I thought right. it would at least be another year or two. You never know. They might need it for Squadron. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or might maybe they don't need it, but it could be an option in the gameplay. Um. Cool. So that was anything excites you the most there, Seagard? I'm guessing you're excited about tractor beams. Yeah, tractor beams, definitely. Definitely. That is a big one. And you posited that that would be coming soonish. Yeah. Especially yeah, I, with, you know, vehicle uh, or physicalized uh, cargo. Yeah, I really want to see, you know, the, you know, sometimes I've just been getting in the Taurus bottom turret where the, where the, uh, tractor beams are and they're in the position of the guns so yeah. it's kind of cool you can't really do much with them obviously um, yeah i mean imagine how great they'll be for the caterpillar because there's one on each side absolutely um is, and then is there any on your um on the um uh carrick carrick yeah i'm just really tired the no carrick. No, I think the interesting part of the Carrick will be that the cargo containers can be dropped. So um, they seem like they'll be pretty easy to stack in, but who knows? Uh, I mean, it's going it, to... We're, we're headed into the next year and a half, a whole new world, I'm sure. Right. 
Um, but we shall see. Um, I keep saying that <laughs> today. Apparently, that's just my phrase of the of the day. That's all right. I can't um, remember anything, so I won't remember in five minutes. So, <laughs> so it, it'll feel like a new phrase. That's uh, right. So this week we had a few tips and tricks. Um, first and foremost, Skyguard said, when smuggling, check the demand for the product first. Um, okay. I, that seems pretty straightforward. I get it. Um, I don't uh, smuggle, so I don't know. But all those stuck, trying to smuggle. Some, I think he got stuck with some cargo. Uh, like some widow or something. I think, yeah, I think it was. It was something like that. It was a, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then Mach 3 Generic said, in the same regard, in a slight throwback to the old earthly saying, don't buy drugs, kids. <laughs> and then uh, Strikeout Actual said, there is a limit to the number of ships and vehicles that you can spawn in. I believe it's three, by the way. If you have a Carrick, you might have the bright idea to park a mule, a tumbrel cyclone with a gun on it in the garage. That way you can handle both ground combat and freight. Problem is, when you spawn your Pisces to land in your hangar, your Carrick will disappear. I had so much in my Carrick, it has really put me off playing this week. Yeah, so strikeout, it's three. Three total. So that's why it's either, um, you know, a, a vehicle... Pisces, they they will change that limit. By the way, um, down the road. Um, plus, you can eventually pre-spawn them in, which I think will nullify that anyhow. Right. But that stinks. Strikeout. <laughs> um, Seaguard, any tips or tricks for the listeners? Um, trying to think. Um, well, I've been, you know, I definitely, I guess, expounding on those boxes. You know, using those boxes and going out and um, just going to a site for looting, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to pretty quickly build up enough food in one box, ammo in a third box, and, you know, other items in a in a fourth box, like medical supplies. Um, I was able to do that pretty quickly. That really makes it much faster for you to move from one ship to another. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it's, I highly recommend you build out a couple of boxes. Um, eventually, we'll be able to make them available. But, you know, if you really want to be cool and share it with your buddies, you could also put that in your lockers. You could you can probably move the box into your locker. I don't know if I've tried that. But you can certainly put items into there and say locker number one is always going to be, you know, medical supplies. Number two is going to be food and drinks. And number three is going to be, you know, uh, um, uh, ammo, right? Um, yeah, it, it really makes it fast to move between ships. So, um, especially if you're playing as a group and you want to uh, either bring something for the group or you want to be the host and you're providing it for all of the group. Um, yeah. So I really think you know playing with those boxes is a big deal. All right. Cool. Um. Yeah, you're a big you're a big box proponent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My God, uh, it wasn't there so many that. ships. I mean, yeah, it's true. <laughs> that I'm most interested to see how the game, like, I feel like I'm hitting that point where I might be, I, I can't, I don't think I can buy any more ships. Like, and I don't even yeah. mean spending the money. 
but I don't see how they'll work, how, how many of them I'll end up using. I feel like I'll end up being on my Carrick with hopefully a crew more often than not. Right. Most of the time um, with other ships being maybe okay. like the exception, but. when and that's, you know, that's, that is absolutely true. My, my whole purchasing initially was being able to earn bigger ships in the game. And mm-hmm. I started actually with, you know, a bunch of ships in a pack and, but tried to get them all to be money makers. Um, and then later that switched to, wow, I got too much fight, too many fighters and combat ships. How can I get more money making ships? So I started doing the trades and have and now I've got down to a pretty good mix. Um, and I haven't been, you know, the ships that are not in, you know, industrial in nature or shipping in nature, um, you know, they're specialist ships like the Mantis, right? I have a Mantis, you know, I like taking it out occasionally and, and using it, um, you know, even on a bounty or something like that. It's mostly just for looks cause, but it looks really cool. I mean, I love that, that look and, uh, uh-huh. and there's going to be different play to it. Um, the second, you know, evolution of how I used, I thought about my ships was not just within a system, but how are we going to spread out across multiple systems? Uh-huh. Right. You know, guys with one or two ships are going to have to leave and either go out by themselves and, and play by themselves in another system. Um, you know, cause other people in, let's say are in Hurston in Stanton system. Well, that's going to kind of suck, but how about leaving a couple ships there that are based out of that system so that when you do show up, there's some ships there for you and others to use. Um, so you do have, you have the Carrick and I have a Carrick, which I'm, I'm okay with, but mine won't be within the same system as yours. Mm. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. So we'll, we'll have to kind of strategize that and figure out where to put our different ships at. Um, same thing yeah. with my, my uh, Drake ships, you know, I really plan on using those differently than I do my, my RSI ships. So, so I, yeah. I'm thinking much bigger environment and trying to support a group with my ships, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't have to buy ships. That's why I bought ships. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I love you, thing- man. <laughs> well, the other thing I always think of too, is like, you know, it's going to be very clear once Pyro's out, but moving fighters across a system like Stanton is one thing, but moving them across a system like Pyro is another. And so having, having a liberator or even, even something like an Idris, um, will be necessary not necessarily or maybe not having it but having access to one or being able to hire one in order to ferry your fighters from one system to another without having to run the risk of you know being stuck without fuel you know fighters are are short range they're just not meant to go from and i think a lot of people don't I don't think they're thinking about it as much as, as CIG is. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you know? It's going to be, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to have 
ships that you won't, you know, you'll use one ship and it won't be worth seeing the other ships. But, you know, playing even a few things, I, I realize that, you know, you don't want to be just in one system when there's a hundred. Yeah. But you have to have a plan. At least yeah. you have to have resources to develop a plan. Let's put it that way. But I also think you won't be moving system to system willy-nilly either. No, like, you will Like not. you said, like, you know, I feel like it'll be a concerted effort that, um, mm-hmm. you know, will continue to play on the whole choice and cost benefit analysis of, of how the game's going to play. Absolutely. And I, you know, I would love to see them make, you know, a version of something like the whole sea that can carry multiple ships, right? And a carrier, not not an aircraft carrier or a spaceship carrier, yeah. but a kind of like a vehicle transporter. Yeah. Uh, because I do think that long haul is going to be expensive if you do it individually, ship mm-hmm. by ship, or you pay, you could pay people to fly them for you. Um which is probably a very good way to go. But if you put it, you know, on one ship, it's very cost efficient, but it's a big risk. Yeah. So, well, it'll take the effort of a lot of different people in order to make it a a worthwhile effort. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, for, for the logistician, I'm sure that's super exciting. (laughs) Yeah, the industrialist logistician. <laughs> yep. Um, and that brings us to for science. So uh, this week, or maybe in the space of the past few episodes, um. We received two submissions. Uh, The first one is from Are You Losing My Mind? He said, I'm a little late on this um, because I just listened to the episode, but Chekhov's problem with accessing inventory and having issues with guns in the racks when you've been logging out in the bed also happens with the 300i. Just wanted to confirm that issue. So thank you for confirming. Uh, Are You Losing My Mind? That's very helpful. and then Canuck 2099 said, weapons rack on the 300 series ships eats guns. Do not use. Store in the ship inventory instead. Um, so thank you for that scientific tip, <laughs> um, Canuck. Uh, what about you, Seaguard? Have you done anything for science? Um, I did do some. I played around a little bit with stealth. Um, so I was kind of, I alluded to this earlier, but I, I started looking a little bit at the ships and looking at some of their capabilities. Um, you know, given that I have a bunch of light fighters, I kind of, and, and I, two of the F8 lightnings because I've spent so much money like an idiot. Um, so I was looking for something in a medium category. And, and as I started looking at the characteristics of using a little bit of Urkel for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, I realized that. There are some pretty significant advantages to small size. If you're like the uh, the Aurora is very small, has a very small profile, right? Um, so I did a little checking around and started looking at, you know, is is 
you know, or how 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 big are some of these ships, and where do they get their advantages? And I, you know, I found one thing that was very interesting. We always ding the Reliant for being such a huge target in combat, and uh, it actually has less area than the Gladius. So that was interesting. It's about two hundred square feet less area, mm-hmm. um, which I was really surprised, but. Anytime you're looking at the side of the wings of a Reliant, it's like looking at a Gladius from the top down. It's yeah. very comparable, right? Um, so that started to open my eyes a bit. And and uh, and then I started thinking, can you take some of these smaller ships and put stealth on them? So I actually put some stealth components, not even all stealth components or even A categories. And I was able to drop the signature of the Reliant pretty darn fast. Um, it was, you know, well down into the cross section was like 200. Um, it oh, was wow. really small. And then the IR and, the, uh, yeah, the IR and what's the other one? Um, ER? EM, yeah, were, um, very low. I mean, they were under, you know, under 6,500, um, when I went into stealth mode. Joe, so, you know, that's right down there with a Pisces. I mean, Pisces, I'm sure can go lower. Um, but it does make you think, wow, maybe you should put stealth equipment on the Pisces, right? It would really significantly reduce the ability to get a lock on. Um, and then, you know, I also, as looking through this, I was, as you know, I have a 325A, which I considered kind of my medium fighter. Um, and I did some looking around that and thinking maybe stealth might be good for that, but, um, it's actually pretty big. It's as big as a Hornet. Um, and to be honest with you, it's it's at least as capable as a stock hornet. I mean, stock against stock. Um, but you know, if you look at medium fighters, there's not many choices. There's lots of heavies and there's lots of lights, but there's not many mediums. Uh, um, so that was kind of interesting, kind of to look at. And there's there's just not a lot of mediums. I'd like to have a medium instead of just going from lights to heavies. I. Um, you know, I think there needs to be something in that's a little more battle focused uh, versus skirmishing. So, yeah. So if you if you haven't looked at Urkel, it's great. Um, I hadn't looked at it until recently. It's very very good. Oh uh, really? It, yeah, I hadn't looked at it until very recently, like last week. Um, oh. So I was pretty pleased with it. Um, Another one I did, which was a little bit off the track, but I, I again, I tried playing with this um, garage band on my iPad and just making songs. Now, there's there's other versions out there, but if you're at all interested in making music, um, it's actually pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, you've seen it a hundred times on TV where someone will start with just three little keys and have it repeat, and then they bring in another instrument and come up with, you know, baseline it or repeats and, uh, or you can do full blown, full blown writing of scripts. Um, but I was able to make the, you know, pretty quick little song kind of like a, um, I kind of tried to use some uh, exotic instruments, uh, like Mongolian, you know, stringed instruments, and you can, you know, distort them to sound like a horse. It's actually part of their ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a horse neighing, because uh, I wanted to try to make a music that that might be kind of like a I don't know kind of um, a workers' song, you know, uh, a mashup of various cultures, 
including Asian and, you know, techno music kind of mixed together um, for representing like a ship coming out of the harbor. It, you know, it started up, it's coming to life, and then it gets moves out of the harbor and or out of the space station and it gets lined up for its quantum jump and then it jumps. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the other end, it kind of comes out of that and slows down and goes back into the barn, so to speak. Uh, so it was pretty straightforward. Uh, if you haven't done it, it's worth looking at. Um, uh, and you don't need you don't need a keyboard and everything else to do it. It's done right there. There's four or five ways to make it sound like a uh, piano or without using a keyboard, or you can have a you know a smaller version of the keyboard on the screen for your fingers. Uh, but anything from violins to fiddles to banjos to guitars and you name it. So uh, pretty fun. Yeah, I can confirm it. It's very easy um, to put together a song uh, using it because I've done I've done sort of like many moons ago now, but I I put together kind of like a song that I thought was interesting uh, way back when, and I think I lost the song, but it, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, very good. I do not have anything for science, but we do have a really great question that you asked in our last episode that I'd love to jump to because uh, we got quite a few replies for it. And your question at that time was, we have examples of several classic cities, uh, and I think maybe what you're saying is several classic sci-fi cities, such as Blade yes. Runner, Ask, Bespin, uh, you know, the city in the sky. What other type of city do you want added to the game? Uh, Skyguard said a city built in an underground cavern or hovering in the photosphere of a star, which is pretty cool. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, are you losing my mindset? I want an underwater city and not like the Gungan city or anything that's freakishly weird. I'm thinking something more in line with Sequest than Star Wars. So very practical. So maybe Levski meets underwater. Yeah, I was Something thinking like Stargate Atlantis, you know, on on the uh, on the water, but that's a good idea. Go. Under the water is even better. Yeah. Um, Dip McJunkin said, "As campy as it is, Earth from the Fifth Element, it is pretty dope to hide in the smog and evade cops." <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think New York City will be similar uh, to Fifth Element, New York. Uh, J.D. Boone said, an alien city, Banu, or otherwise. Mr. Mystery said, I agree, this one would be cool. Many a movie slash shows have done it. Below the smog equals criminal slash lower class slash poor. Above the smog equals rich, powerful. I actually see Area 18 could kind of go that route. Uh, Jandal said, an O'Neill cylinder with farmland and lakes would be quite a sight. Imagine looking up to see towns and fields in the sky above you. That would be. That would be. Extremely cool. Tukey2D said, something with bioluminescence. Um, Certainly be useful in a cave. It'd be very (laughs) Avatar-esque. Yes. Um, Arnie said, when Pyro gets released... Maybe we could get a port slash city on one of the moons rather than it being on an inhospitable planet. Or perhaps, oh, sorry, I'm getting interference here. There we go. 
Perhaps it could be on the planet something similar to Mustafar with refineries taking advantage of the lava rivers. Oh, that's actually a good point. Lava rivers being used in the refining process. It would be. Uh, Captain Neon says, I'm a big fan of Tatooine. Dusty city with ships covered in sand, houses with roofs made of sails, etc. Something derelict. Uh, Captain Neon said, I also once saw a movie where the planet's surface is deserted, but then you see these veins running everywhere. When they flew closer, they could fly into these cracks and there would be an entire city built downwards in the shade. Surface was scorching hot. Uh, Captain Neon, there is an actual location um, planned out, at least, where the surface is too hot and it's actually in um, these sort of like gullies. there's there was a not recent but i'm trying to remember what it was it was one of those like you know the the report from the freelance you know long haul trucker guy went to visit a friend on that planet um and talked about how interesting it was um i'll try and find that captain neon and paste it in chat um Silver Valk said, all of the above. I love Star Citizen for the uniquely crafted locations. I envisage a universe. I'm guessing you're you're from the UK or somewhere like that using the term envisage. Uh, <laughs> um, my, my company teammate my, or my coworkers over there use envisage a lot more than I use it. I envisage a universe where you can take a picture on a random planet and players who know that star system could be able to identify it. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, Retor for Mentor said, an old construction akin to the Maasai outposts on Yavin 4 might have to be Tavarin to fit with the lore surrounded by a thick vegetation and built-in stones. Uh... Arnie said, adding to my idea, you'd have to pass through the moon base port first where where you where your holds would be checked by customs before you're allowed to take your cargo down to the refineries on the planet. Could have missions where you could have where you'd have to take some sort of illegal cargo down to the surface and have the option to try and smuggle it through customs or beeline straight to the planet and hot drop your cargo off whilst avoiding the authorities. Uh, I'm guessing that's for the Mustafar type planet. Uh, Brother Squid said, they already have plans to make it, but a massive scrap together city station made from derelict ships combined with creative welding is definitely a de- an idea that excites me. Yes, in Star Citizen, that's called Spider, I believe is the name of it, right? Yes. Yeah, Spider is, is it, uh, essentially it was a system where the UEE Navy would uh, uh, essentially use it as a place to dump old capital ships that were no that were in disrepair. And they eventually uh, abandoned it, and um, criminals took over and started welding stuff together. <laughs> or and not only the UEE, but then corporations would use it too. So uh, very interesting. Um, Sir Runaround said something like Kashyyyk from Star Wars would be killer or the Ewok village on Endor. That'd be cool. Um, That would be. Brother Squid, much like you said, a city floating on an ocean would be great. Wonderful place for a science outpost or some Habs with a killer view for all the rich space yachtsmen to look out on their boats. 
Hamar said, I'd like to see something war-torn with bad economics, maybe like Tehran or Mogadishu, uh, all lawless with controlled spaceport and lots of controlling factions, target-rich environment, perfect place to shoot in all directions. The type of missions would be endless. I hadn't um, thought about that. That's a good idea. That's a good yeah. one. I yeah. Not that I thought of any others either, but yeah, they're all good. Um, Mach 3 Generic said, as an, as an inhabitant of a world heritage city, I wouldn't mind a few domed Earth cities that we can't actually visit to preserve history. Um, I do know that, at least in concept art, New York City, some of the old architecture before they started building mega, um, mega structures, uh, like, for instance, um, the... Uh, um, Empire State Building are under bubbles or domes to preserve the building. So uh, that's sort of like a blend. Um, Strikeout Actual said, most Isley, please. That would be awesome. It could be like the grim hex of planetary landing zones. That would be cool. Uh, Skyguard also said someplace. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he said someplace with uh, jungle sheer cliffs and mountains to make landing interesting. And those are the responses we got. You know, the other ones I thought about were, I don't know if, if you're a 48 or 40 K player, Warhammer 40 K, you'll know what a hive city is, but you know, basically a giant tower, like, you know, structure, which is the city and different classes live on different levels. But uh, you could literally have the docking bays, at different heights and the quality would go down the further down the spire you were um, mm-hmm. obviously with the elites living at the top. Right. Um, yeah. That would be cool. And then, uh, so you would, you know, it'd be like area 18 and 17 and 16 and 15, but all in one building, you know, stretching up into the sky. Um, I would, you know, the other one, it would be cool to see something with a, um, uh, what is it called? It's an you know an elevator, uh, geosynchronous elevator that's supporting a ground station or a city. Like you're you're moving um, between an orbital platform and the city below mm-hmm. um, through a giant elevator. I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So those are all good. Uh, I liked every, everything everyone said. I think for I me. Do too. Just knowing what variety the game already has planned, because I did watch a lot of, I, I I have read up on quite a bit of the variety of cities. I'm really just excited for some of the different systems we're going to get. Uh, I would say I'm most excited for more of a a location that has a habitat habitat that's more like beachy, like a a, a terra where it's like very utopian looking right i'm excited for those types of systems uh at least initially or you know landing zones but uh plenty more i'm sure uh will come out that'll be interesting i saw some that were like um platforms above water very very much like where uh the cloners live in uh the prequels as well yeah Uh, i I, you know what uh, what we haven't even heard a glimpse of is a city built on the ruins of an ancient city like Cairo, right? So Cairo, imagine Cairo, but the ancient civilization being alien. 
right? So you're humans living next to these giant, you know, mind-bending you know, artifacts uh, for discovery and exploration. Um, archaeology, that stuff could be great. Yeah, definitely. That should be, that would be really cool. What, um, what's your question this week, Seaguard? Totally different direction. Um, so this one is, it's around um, armor sets and, you know, the purpose of them. So basically the, the question is, what type of equipment add-ons would you like to see for individual armor sets, um, like, like the Mac Flex or Venture Armor? Um, things like ropes, rappelling harness, et cetera. Uh, what would you like to see, right? Uh, the other one, you know, if you really want to do an armor set for the military side, that's fine too, right? Maybe a rappelling harness goes on light armor, but not on heavy armor. Uh, but any ideas you got, that would be really cool. Awesome. Great, uh, great question. So now we've, we've come to the Q&A section. We've got quite a few uh, questions, and then there's also a few comments as well that uh, people added. Uh, so Snorkel uh, had a question for Chekhov. Unfortunately, he's not here, but we'll ask it anyway. We can ask him again. Uh, question for Chekhov, if he's paying attention. <laughs> now that's your ultimate dream of being able to be a sniper on the hill, taking out NPCs on the planet's surface is coming true. What gun are you choosing? Uh, question for the other hosts. What's your guess of how many minutes Chekhov will watch your back from his sniper position before he starts to force science you in the back? <laughs> not, not very long. Not very long at all. Absolutely. I'll leave that one on for next week as well. Uh, <laughs> Brother Squid said, this one is a far future question. Given that base building is a long way off, have you guys thought about potentially setting up a forward operating base for launching expeditions? I'm very interested in the whole outer rim homesteading vibe and would definitely want to set up camp far away from core space so that the expedition teams have a location to muster and stock up supplies on their way out into the unknown. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I go through this stuff all the time, even like, you know, at uh, what types of ships would be useful, you know, in safer areas. And that would free up your heavier ships that are better in in danger areas to bring cargo mm -hmm. out, right? Yeah. You got to bring them from centers and other state, other systems. Mm -hmm. And then you got to move them slowly out to these situational points. Um, yeah. So I definitely, I, I definitely think that should be a case. And I think that we should, you know, in my mind, we would build them as we move into an area um, yep. to start exploration. Yeah, especially if we think it's going to be – the hard part is choosing a place that offers a strategic advantage for keeping it for a long period of time. You know, versus maybe there might be options. What we don't know is right now the base building is – maybe not permanent, but fairly permanent static structures. Whereas perhaps there will be a way to build sort of forward operating camps with something that's deployable, but long-term movable, like, you know, large shipping containers that house facilities. But at the same time, you know, you could load up a few C2s 
and then move the forward operating outpost further along your journey. It could be a Carrick. It could. I mean, the Carrick does have those three drop pods. Yeah, you just move it out there and you know bring along a fueler and a repair ship, and you know you have the ability now to set up and stage a uh, refuel yeah. the last point for a jump for exploration. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, definitely. There's so many cool ways we could do that. I mean, it could even be actually. I was thinking about it. It could just. It could even be a kraken because you could land a kraken but, too. That's what I meant. Kraken. That's that's oh. what I meant. What did I say? Oh. You said Carrick. Yeah, I meant crack. I meant crack. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, My brain is done. <laughs> I hear you. I've been like that for the longest. Um, Brother Squid followed up with, on that note, do you think we'll see smaller construction options than the Pioneer for smaller scale projects? Or perhaps, perhaps ships that will be unable to produce buildings from materials themselves are able to carry and drop pre-purchased buildings. I remember seeing similar capabilities shown in early concepts of the droppable modular bays of the Carrick. That's what drew it to me, drew me to it in the first place. Uh, I think we already sort of talked about that, but my quick answer is yes. And I think it'll be more, not about building, but more, you know, prefab drops, temporary structures. Yeah. I could definitely see something like the uh, ballista chassis with a crane yeah. on the back of it. Yeah. yeah. I could see a, a bigger version of the raft, but not yeah. a raft and dropping just a few pre prefab temporary structures. Absolutely. Something like that too. Um, Captain Neon asked, I'd love to see ships be part of the settlement like the wings of the Corsair serve as a roof or canvas holder to create some shade. Going to go full Tatooine sand people mode. That uh, sounds like maybe that's a response to your question. Oh, yeah. It, it's a good idea, too. The, some of the relics yeah. are, or the uh, wrecks are definitely having that now in the new mm -hmm. 17.2. Um, yeah. I am um, all for that. They, they sort of, and, and the one that they demoed, not demo, but the sort of like prototype javelin wreck settlement sort of had the same feeling too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Quadnim now is, I think this is sort of more of a comment, but um, he said, Seaguard, you often comment that you think we'll see Squadron 42 this year, perhaps by the holidays or at least before Starfield in 2023. I'd love to agree, but I can't. I think we're seeing now for Starfield the kind of large marketing campaign that occurs to pump up the excitement and anticipation for a game launch. This needs to happen at least six months to a year before a game releases. Considering it's June and Starfield is a 2023 release, it's anywhere from six to 18 months out. Until we see something similar from CIG to start marketing well in advance of the release, I don't think we can hold our breath for the release. I'm very anxious for Squadron 42, and maybe they'll start marketing it by end of year for a late 2023 release. But until we see public activity from CIG, I'm not holding my breath. What do you yeah, think? I, I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, he, he's. You know, you're you're absolutely right. Um, on the other hand, I also you know would consider that 
the game really has been very visible for at least the last five years. I mean, it's yeah. not a you know a, a you know a wallflower that's been hidden away in the closet. A lot of people know about it now. All the games cons they went to and everything else. It's a it's a common talking point for certainly space games that Star Citizen is out here. Um, it, but you're right. We will have to see the marketing pick up when that occurs. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think we'll see, I think this year we'll likely see more about Squadron 42. And I think this year we'll know about it's like uh, at least a semi-target release. I think by the end of the year, we'll, we'll yeah. know more. Well, at and least, I think, I think I it's think, likely. I think 4.0 is going to be part of the beta. I really do. Or yeah, because we're in alpha. I think it's going to be the shift yeah. to the beta. I, I personally disagree. Um, the only reason being that I don't think they'll have all the the professions done in time for that. And maybe, maybe, maybe they won't need to. But I would imagine you need to at least have exploration fleshed out to some degree to go into beta. Personally, now could that be part of the? Squadron Forty Two build. I don't. I think partially. I think. I think when you talk about like improved scanning, better star map, and Absolutely. some of those things, yes. But do I think they'll have long distance probes and science gameplay and all not that all stuff? The way. No, really? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I th- I don't think we'll be far from. I think we'd be. I think at this point of beta is reasonable within another within three years or less because you know chris said at beta which is essentially you might as well especially because star citizen the pu at least is ever evolving really the thing that's launching launching is squadron 42 but you know star citizen will continue to grow i think you know, once we have those five to 10 star systems, that will be when we get to obey to point. Yeah. I can and see I that. think we'll have it sooner than we think because they're, they're, they're ahead in terms of like, you know, the ability to actually get to those systems now because of server meshing and all that fun stuff. But, you know, I don't think we'll be in beta without dynamic server meshing and we're only going to be getting static server meshing with 4.0. Gotcha. Um, and then Quadnum also replied to me um, about the conversation around animation and whether or not it's procedural. He said, first, IK is inverse kinematics. And you brought up a good point that a recorded animation of climbing a ladder, for example, could be further enhanced to modify that animation dynamically to place a hand properly on each ladder rung. You're 100% 100% right they would do this. However, I personally wouldn't consider this procedural per se, but it is a fair point. Okay, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point as well, yeah. Uh, I think it's also worth noting IK animations involve the concept of bones and bones being linked. So moving a hand to a rung would automatically move the arms, shoulders, and body along with the hand movement. This is the idea of IK and linking of the bones. These are the types of animations that are motion captured and later replayed. 
As long as the model has similar bones, sometimes more or less bones can still work. They can assign animation to any similar model, regardless of size and shape. On the other hand, the spline work for moving ships along a path is entirely different. And although you can think of it as animation, I don't, at least not in the traditional sense. I think ship movement would be considered more procedural, providing it's a starting point and ending position and a proper curve to get there elegantly while dynamically navigating around things blocking it. In this case, they are moving the entire model, not a bone that IK to move the rest of it. Maybe these are subtle differences, but important on the complexity and effort for a game engine to manage. Moving a ship as a whole is a lot easier than moving a player up a ladder with proper hand and foot placement. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that that makes a very good point in terms of like IK isn't necessarily procedurally creating animations because that it's really about procedurally, maybe procedural is not the right word, but it's about blending an animation to make it look natural based on movements. And the other thing too is if you look at the um, characters, we only have two character sizes in the game. And that's across all players and NPCs. Uh, and they don't, right now at least, have any plans of changing that, at least for human characters. So, um, yeah, it sounds like they're going to actually have to record a lot, a lot, a lot of animations. Um, Strikeout Actual says, what does a Ranta look like? We see it's dung all over, but what does it look like? Uh, what do you think it looks like, Seaguard? Seaguard, you there? Sorry, I had it on mute because the thunder. Uh, I was, was going like, to say, it's, it, no. it's very small and poops way above its weight class. <laughs> um, I think it kind of looks like a big rat. Like maybe a rat the size of a raccoon. Yeah. Maybe a rat coon. There you go. Uh, Drewfuss101 said, I just recently started playing Star Citizen but a friend showed it to me a few years ago. I immediately fell in love with the Aegis Reclaimer. I know that its primary use of salvage isn't in yet. Now that we are expecting to get hole stripping this year, hopefully meaning ship munching and more is not too far off, I've been thinking of buying the Reclaimer through the pledge store. It's very expensive expensive, and was just wondering option opinions on whether it's worth it. Uh, what do you think, Seagard? You like the Reclaimer a lot. Yeah, I, it's getting a little dated now, but it is certainly a very cool ship. Now, its gameplay is pretty limited, and and I think it will be for quite a while because it probably needs an overhaul, and it probably needs to be and it will be brought up the gold standard. Um, I would um, I would say wait, um, and you know having you know having spent way too much money myself um i would say you know join up with us on you know and you can take mine out anytime you want you can test fly it drive it around do whatever you want and uh it is a blast to fly it's it's a real beast i mean you got to kind of it's hard to land in, in some of the gravities um and that's what i like about it it you know it's very very cool um a great atmosphere very alien-esque um, kind of or aliens the movie uh, esque in its design, um, and we have several people who have them. 
and we all like them, but they are expensive. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's you do not have to buy anything out of game if you don't want to. Um, it's a big ship. It's a lot to fly. It's expensive. It has quite a bit of crew. Um, if you're comfortable spending the money and you want salvage gameplay to be your main profession, then go for it if you think it's a worthwhile investment. It will be, as far as we know, the top tier salvage. So it's the, right. you know, it, it, it there may be others that come down the road, but um, you can get it in game. It's not even that crazy expensive in game. Um, so buying out of game is really to fund the game's development. Yeah. Um, that's the real, if you really want to spend money funding the game's development, which at this point, you know, unless everybody stops doing that, then you probably don't need to do that. Uh, then, you know, you could always crew one with others until you make enough money to buy your own in game. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the other thing is out there's a couple ships out there that, you know, really bring a lot of versatility to the game, um, you know, for much less money than that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the Cutlass Black with a, with a uh, rock on the in the back of it is fantastic. Um, the Nomad is really versatile because you can put a, a, a bike on the back or you can carry cargo with it. You can even do some dogfighting with it. Again, it's a single seat ship, but you know it's much more robust than the basic ones. Um, you know, th there are some very, very cool ships that allow you to do lots of things in the game. So, uh, but I, but I hear you. I, you know, I can't say I haven't spent money on ships. So. Yeah, same here. Um, I will gladly share you share with you that. Yeah, same here. And my first ship purchase was the Carrick. So. You know, it wasn't, I didn't even go small. I went kind of big. I didn't even have a game package. I bought the Carrick without a game package. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was that like, oh my funny. God, this is so cool. Well, and it only cost me 350 at the time because that's how much the Carrick was uh, when it first, or when I first was able to buy it. Um, Boris Kraken said, I would get a ship upgrade token. From a ship close to it to the reclaimer, you can always then pay a CCU game, play the CCU game, and save money. You can also get an LTI token uh, to it. I expect it to go up in price later this year. Also, save up and get one in game. Uh, yeah. To guys like Flavius, around with it. the guys like Flavius and you know and Chekhov, you know, they've made a lot of money. Um, using the prospector, right? I mean, um, even the rock. I mean, the rock is a real, or not the rock, the um, mole is a very cool ship. Um, you can do some really good stuff even solo with it and make lots of money. I know Flavius had 20 million the other day, you know, from just doing his normal stuff and occasionally going on bounties and round yeah. missions and things like that. So, um, if you haven't checked out the mole, very cool ship. You might like that one, and it'll give yep. you the ability to earn the the, the uh, reclaimer in game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then he and and um, Boris Kraken go back and forth a little bit about okay, good um, getting 
you know, getting the CCU. I'm not going to uh, go over that, but yeah. essentially he suggested C2 uh, and then wait for IAE. Um, but, you know, do do what makes sense for you. Unfortunately, we lost Seaguard for a second there, but I've been able to uh, revive him for the final question uh, that we had. So Seaguard, as a, as a reminder, LA32344 said, what do you guys think about the current speed of progress that CIG is making? Yeah, I'll try to be a little more concise because I was really brilliant. I was talking after we been <laughs> cut off and it was brilliant, but I'll just try to sum it up. I'm okay. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. It's you know I've been doing this since 2013, and every year I play what I play is kind of making me feel like I earned some of my investment back. Um, and and I definitely like the quality, um, and that only comes from breaking barriers down technologically, et cetera, while they develop this system. So, and and while I mean quality, I mean the level of detail and the uniforms and the ships and you know i'm like everybody else i don't like 30ks but they've been they've been doing their best and i think that each year we forget how much we they did um unless until we go back and look and go wow they did all that last year and uh you know i think this year we're far better than we were last year and years before that also so so i'm okay with it okay um I am also okay with it while I, while I'm super excited to play the game and I think it's taken a long time by stand, you know, a lot of standards. The, the, the main issue that CIG has had is what they initially promised what they're going to be delivering. I'm excited by what they're going to be delivering and I want them to deliver what they're going to be delivering and the path that they took is really based on that. There were quite a few missteps along the way around communicating expectations appropriately and maybe being overly optimistic to the fan base. I don't think it was intentional uh, for the most part. I think it was purely, um, you know, just overshooting and, and thinking that, you know, being aggressive with timelines. But if you look at, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's been 10 years and they still don't have a game. There are a lot of games that take take almost as long with studios that have been already built prior to the game, even being started with development. Here, it's really like they were building the train and laying the tracks at the same time while grabbing on more and more passengers along the way. Uh, and so you really can't compare that to a studio that's already in existence and what you see here is they've spent a long time and a lot of effort into building tools to make the next few years um, really be a supercharged content drop um, will they probably not launch as much content like uh, we don't want to set your expectations you're not going to get 50 star systems in the next three or four years. Um, that's not likely to happen, but will we start seeing a star system, a patch, maybe even two, especially once we start to get to some of the less populated ones and more sort of, you know, they could probably proceduralize most of the system. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that's what we'll start to see. And I think we'll see a lot of that start to come online in the next few years. Um, so as long, and, and I guess to, to pull back and just provide a short snippet, as long as they keep adding things into the game that keep me excited to play it and it becomes a better experience, I don't really care how long it takes. Um, yeah. So, uh, those were all the questions. If, uh, if you do have questions to submit things that they did for science, anything, uh, you could use our still old readcast SC at gmail.com email. You could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through anchor. Um, you could join our citizencast discord where you can submit questions, all those different things in the different sections uh, provided, or you can always text us or leave a voicemail on our Google voice, 646-783-8154. And if you are out there looking for a crew, looking for an org, want to try Seaguard's Reclaimer, (laughs) um, or just looking for people to play with in between your solo sessions, check out the community over at Parlay House. It's a neutral zone for all players of all types where they can hang out, socialize, enjoy the best damn space sim the verse has to offer. Uh, Links to the Discord can be found in the show notes below. Um, Also, please check out some of our other friends of the show who are also content creators. There's uh, YouTube uh, YouTubers, both uh, Earth, well, not both Earth Snorkel and Undead Parrot, as well as uh, the music that you hear in this episode, uh, plus much more inspired by Star Citizen, written by Admiral Cody and Calibri. Uh, and that, dear friends, wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. And ironically enough, while we were wrapping that up, Dear Seaguard lost power. <laughs> So, it was good timing. And now I'm here, sitting by myself, talking to myself. That's the, uh, the, uh, the essence of chaos theory. Uh, I hope you guys know that reference. You probably do. If you're even remotely geeky. I'm starting to feel a little crazy talking to myself right now. Um, yeah. Cool, Geeky. Night, everybody. <laughs>